HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following is a message from the Heritage Meat Shop. Are you tired of just hearing buzzwords? Do you want to actually take part in the food revolution? Then come on down to the Heritage Meat Shop, located in New York's historic Essex Street Market, on the corner of Essex and Delancey. We have rare breed pork, beef, poultry, lamb, and goat, not to mention charcuterie that'll make you squeal. All raised right, by the right people, so you know they'll taste right. Try the meat that over 100 New York chefs ache for. Come to the Heritage Meat Shop and pick up some revolution today. For more information, visit heritagemeatshop.com. Hello, Greenhorns. This is Severin. This is Greenhorns Radio. And we are a radio show about young farmers, featuring young farmers with conversations between young farmers um, and for the benefit of the future of agriculture. We are available free online, and we are happy to be sponsored by Hearst Family Ranch and others. And today I'm joined by another Brooklyn farmer, Stacy, at the Brooklyn Farmyard. She's an entrepreneur and a maniac in all the right ways. Hello, are you there? Hi, Severin. How are you? I'm great. How is it going down there? Is it hot like it is here? It's blazing hot. <laughs> yeah, Even the, the tomatoes the- are getting wilty. <laughs> Everything's getting a little uh, wilty. They're they're extra photosynthesizing though, which is really great. It's really great. So let's talk a little bit about what's going down, going on down there in Brooklyn, and um, what people can expect from the Brooklyn food scene and the Brooklyn farmer scene in the next years. Maybe start with where you're coming from for your project. Um, well. Our project, so BK Farmyards is essentially a collective of urban farmers who are mostly dedicated to the expansion of social justice and use urban agriculture as a tool to promote social justice. Um, And so uh, we're working on food access issues and growing food in communities that uh, don't really have access to food um, and also farmers that don't really have access to land. Um, And so... We have a series of projects. We, uh, we partner with organizations or, or private landowners that have land, uh, and we transform that land uh, into thriving production farms uh, with food, flowers, honey, uh, chickens, and eggs, and um, uh, with farmers markets and CSAs. And 
So essentially we're just really trying to grow the network and to provide as many agricultural products locally for consumers that don't really have access. So many of the people who are interested in doing urban farming are interested exactly for the reasons that you say. They're interested in low-income food, access, healthy food for those who need it most and who are currently most imperiled uh, by diet-related diseases. Um, but then, of course, in order to start these projects on precious urban land, there's quite a lot of negotiation and process involved um, <laughs> involving institutional ninja ship. So is, um, is some of that part of the learning that they get when they work with you? Yes, definitely. Um, so we have a lot of different training programs. Um, we have an adult urban farming training program uh, with actually a couple spots available right now, three spots, um, and that program starting on Monday. That, would, that program takes place at the youth farm at the High School for Public Service. And so people who are a part of that training program um, start to learn a lot about what it means to grow food on public land and what a partnership looks like with a public entity like the Department of Education. Um, and so they also get to work with youth um, surrounding issues of food security. And um, so all of our training programs, we really talk about um, community issues surrounding the land, um, historical issues surrounding land access, um, and what people can do to start partnering. We've been really fortunate that all of our land has been people who have asked us to come uh, farm on their property. Um, the, it's always tricky if you're going after a piece of public land uh, because then the, a lot of questions arise around um, who's the community, who's the farmer, what's the community project, uh, uh, what should be the mission of that community project. Um, so we've been fortunate that we've met with a lot of um, public landowners that already have missions of their own and invi invite us into that, that agreement. And so then the folks who are coming to you, what are some of the backgrounds that you, it's hard always, there's never a typical, typical <laughs> human, but what are some of the typical humans that you've been dealing with maybe this season, just, just to give us a sense of the breadth of experience and the kinds of skills? Sure. sure. Typical humans, aren't we all weird? That kind of holds us all together. Um, so the, there's a couple different kinds of people that come to us. A lot of the people that come to us are people who are younger, who are coming out of college or in a, in a college program, and they're looking for their future career and trying to understand what it will be like to be an urban farmer and if it's right for them. So spending a season with us uh, gives them a good idea of what that lifestyle is going to be like. Um, we also have had people um, older as well. One of our chicken apprentices, I believe, was 57. Um, I, might, I, I feel bad if I just aged him uh, unknowingly. Um, so we've had people of all ages, but most of the people, what they share in common is a belief in localism or regionalism, a belief in sustainability and um, community organizing. Um, and the other thing that holds them together a lot of times is this issue of understanding that there's an inequality in our power systems, our government, and um, people who are looking for alternate careers and alternate lifestyles. 
So this is the thing. It is an alter. It is an alternative career, and it is an alternative lifestyle. And when you choose to be a farmer in the city or the country, uh, you're choosing to live your life by the weather and to make hay while the sun shines. And uh, you can't really go home and stop worrying if you have baby animals. Um, do you want to describe some of the the funny tension that arises uh, in a city full of people with jobs? Uh, to be someone who is hitched to something that maybe is a little different from most jobs? <laughs> sure. Um, being an urban farmer is extremely rewarding, um, and it's also uh, extremely difficult on some days uh, be because you are tied to the weather. Um, I would tell anybody that's interested in a profession as a farmer in general, whether it's urban farming or um, rural farming, uh, to get a sense of what it's like to be tied to vegetables first because once you tie yourself to livestock, it's a whole new ballgame. Um, one of my most interesting experiences in the city was uh, a chicken that got loose, or actually two chickens that somehow burrowed under a fence where we thought we had um, fenced it in pretty well. And um, I had to go rescue them from a local churchyard, and the church wasn't there, so I actually had to scale a 10-foot uh, chain-link fence with barbed wire at the top and go get the chickens and actually climb over and bring them back over that same barbed wire. Um, and so uh, there's, there's a lot at stake when you start to bring livestock into the equation. You're responsible for um, life. You're responsible for the quality of that life. Um, and so uh, it, you, you need to make sure they have uh, water during the winter and last winter when it was freezing and, and snowing all the time. Um, I think I probably cursed many times when I was um, shoveling snow out of the chicken coop and unfreezing water. So it's definitely a lifestyle. It's very rewarding, and it, it's definitely very challenging. <laughs> So when people are impressed with what you've been doing and all these trainings have been going so well and their food and the flowers are growing gloriously and, you know, la, 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 it's a wonderful fairy tale, um, <laughs> and they're totally on board, what do, you, what do you ask for? What do you need? What do you see looming as the issues that, that face or challenge your progress uh, toward ever greater numbers of, food, of viable food-producing projects? around the city, uh, what the potential, I'm sure, you think is there. What is the potential, and, and what do you need to get there? Um, so I, I see a couple different potentials. Um, most people will cite the uh, access to land as being one of the largest barriers to urban farming. Um, what's interesting is now that the world is opening up a little bit, and there's more projects out there that people can point to and say, you know, this project has been successful for a couple of years growing food. More people are willing to give over a rooftop, give over a plot, give over um, a large, you know, plot of land. Um, and so I see access to land, um, you know, while it is one of the largest barriers, I see it as totally um, uh, we, can, we can make that happen. Um, and one of the places that can happen is um, backyard farming in portions of Brooklyn. Um, there, believe it or not, there is, I believe the statistic is something like 820,000 acres of private yard space in New York City. Um, and so obviously that's not 
in and around Manhattan, and it's obviously not in and around parts of Brooklyn where there's brownstones that are have these enclosed backyards that might be more difficult to farm, but there's actually some parts of Brooklyn that have um, uh, disconnected, ha- or what do you call it, um, housing that's not connected to its next-door neighbor, and so you can actually access the land. Um, and so I see a possibility that there could be an uprising of backyard farmers, um, and I've been testing out a model here in uh, Ditmas Park, Brooklyn, which is where I'm sitting right now, um, in one of the first backyard farms. And I see that as a possibility for farmers uh, that are willing to live in the slightly outer parts of Brooklyn. Um, And then the next thing that I see is that um, the opportunity, the reason why we're doing so many training programs is that um, there is just not enough farmers in the United States, uh, rural or urban. Um, not enough really truly experienced farmers. There's a lot of people who can grow produce. There's a lot of people who can grow a garden, grow some, grow some vegetables here and there. But people who are really skilled in um, sustainable land practices over the long run, fertility management, um, organic practices, they're few and far between. And so I see that as a huge opportunity um, within the city as all these training programs hopefully growing farmers who can either go to a regional, you know, rural land uh, place or they might stay in the city. I'm sorry for the pause. I, I try to keep the thing on mute so that it won't be the sound of the fan because it's so hot. <laughs> um, the, it's so strange talking so you're to, a, saying, to a... You're saying something that I, I sounds very right to me and what I've observed, which is that so many of us who are new to farming are coming from urban and suburban backgrounds and, well, better said, non-farming backgrounds. And so the interest in farming might very well occur in a non-farming environment. So you have a potential farmer awakening to um, a potential future in, a, in an environment that, you know, doesn't have so many acres, but that may offer in the form of your project many opportunities uh, to get some training, to learn the business skills, to make, to make, a, to make a plan, uh, to learn some practical farming skills, and then perhaps to leave the city uh, and the comfort of friends, family, and normal, normal society in order to pursue a farming career in a more, well, normal farming place, i.e. the countryside. Is that something you're seeing also? And, and if, if it's something you would like to see more of, are you considering working with a beginning farmer and rancher development project or uh, putting yourself in the farmer training category of the grants world? Um, well, we're, we're already there to a certain degree. Um, most of the farmers, as I mentioned, BK Farmyards is really a network of farmers. It's not so much a land mass or a set of farms as it is a set of farmers. And almost all of them teach at New York City Farm School. Um, and also, um, they've all been working on a project out at Floyd Bennett Field, um, which is up and coming, a potential 20-acre farm incubator project which would give access to new urban farm or not new urban farmers, but people who have a couple years' experience who need access to a larger plot of land and to um, have a mentor farmer out there to um, help manage. And that project is, you know, happening with just so many different organizations involved, Just Food and National Parks and 
farmers from all over the city are helping to work on that project. Um, and so I'm seeing so many of the urban farmers that I work with today, one of their prime interests is actually the training programs. Um, and I have noticed that um, several farmers that got their start in the city that enjoy, I mean, the reason that we love being in the city is that, you know, it has this amazing cultural life here. There's people from all over the world, and there's food from all over the world, and so there's an opportunity to grow so many different kinds of crops. Um, but I am noticing that after a couple of years in urban farming that people get a little burnt out at the pace of the city and the pace of farming together, and they start to crave having a larger space that's a little bit more secluded. Um, so I'm seeing, a, I'm seeing that people are bouncing back and forth, and what I would love to see is actually to have outposts both in the city and in the rural areas so that it's really a regional food system and that people are able to pass back and forth in those training programs. I like it. I like it. I think it's a, a very strong transitional strategy because, as you mentioned, the, the, the burnout that happens from being overstimulated in the city um, is not necessarily super compatible with the burnout that's related to doing too much um, and selling product at a um, seriously undervalued prices that we that we pay here in contemporary American society for the food that does take kind of a lot of work to make. Yeah. Uh, having a little peaceful time to contemplate and to enjoy oneself and not be harried on the way to and fro, yes. <laughs> and, but then still... But then still have the excitement and, and, and cultural life of the city. I'm in. Where's your outpost yeah. going to be? I don't know, but I have a friend who's trying to start one up, so uh, maybe that will become it. It's a Kickstarter going up soon, and I can't remember the name of the project. Otherwise, I would plug it. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of Kickstarters going up, and uh, one of them is ours. There's lots going on right now in this scene. And so if you're in Brooklyn and you're thinking these thoughts and you've listened to Stacey, there's a bunch of other Brooklyn farmers here on the Greenhorn Radio podcast archive. Uh, there's no time like now. And, you know, you may think that farming only really is happening in August or July or, you know, the true summer months. No, that is not true. We are <laughs> sprinting right now, all of us, to get all this shit in the ground, and uh, it, now that it's hot, it's extra stressy, so roll up your sleeves and join us, come and find a, you know, find a project, show up, even if you can't reach anyone on email or phone, this is a little bit kind of the time when if you showed up, you'd likely be their new friend. Uh, oh my gosh, you'd be our best mouth, friend. Stacey, but what? I said you would be our best friend if you just showed up. <laughs> yes. Yes, less chit-chat, more show up. Um, <laughs> so now I want to make sure I give you the last word to announce any upcoming programs or, you know, spiel, your uh, final spiel. Sure. Um, a couple things. We, gosh, we always have so much going on. This coming Saturday is a couple things going on. Uh, we have a big work day at the Youth Farm, which is at 600 Kingston Avenue. Um, and... It starts at 10 a.m. It goes until 4 p.m. 
there will also be a workshop, and I can't remember what the workshop is on this weekend, uh, but we have to get, as you say, a lot of shit in the ground. Um, and so that's one project. Um, there is, like I mentioned, three positions left in our um, training program for the summer, which starts on Monday. Um, if you go to the BK Farmyards website under the Youth Farm, uh, then you will find some information about that. If not, you can always contact me at stacy at bkfarmyards.com, and I'll send you the right direction. Um, we have... What else is going on upcoming? We always have field trips and um, visiting chicken programs. So if you're a school and you're like, it would be really cool to have chickens come to our school and have the kids see the chickens, or if you want to come to the chicken coop, you can always contact us about that. Um, and very soon we'll be launching um, the Floyd Bennett Farm and Education Center Kickstarter in partnership with Just Food and National Parks and all these other farmers. Um, so you should totally um, get on board with that one. It's going to be an amazing, huge project out there. So I wish you all an amazing, huge summer and a very productive, cool afternoon. This has been another episode of Greenhorns Radio. I'm your host, Severin. We have a lot of events coming up uh, in Greenhorn World, although... Frankly, just focus on farming for most of June and and focus on swimming, swimming a lot. That's been very, that's been my new favorite thing in the world is, you know, farming is awesome, but I think I like swimming even more. So um, <laughs> that's all, really. And bye, Stacey. Thank you. Bye, Severin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.